Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we'll be kicking off our special Dead Center coverage. Uh, that's right. It is that time of year again, and I am very thrilled to kick off our special Dead Center coverage with returning interviewer, Mickey Reese. That's right. Mickey Reese is back once again to talk about his new film, along with Alex Sanchez, they're going to be talking about Arrows of Outrageous Fortune, one of the big headliners at Dead Center this year. This isn't working for me. How would you like this to be different? You know, maybe we are working towards getting married. Is that your phone? Yeah. Do you plan that? No, I don't even know how to set an alarm. Hello? Okay. Um... My dad's dying. People die all the time, especially dads, and mine's not even there yet, so if we could hold off on the pity. Here's your bereavement form. I'll feel bad. My dad's not dead. He's just in the hospital. I just think you should focus on what's important. Him being about to die does not make him a better dad. If anything, it makes him a worse dad, because he's weaker. He's reached out to you multiple times, and you blow him off. I bet this is all a plot to get me to tell him I forgive him. Hi, I'm Henry. Oh, fuck me. Mistake pretending that you and your mother never happened. Yeah, I gotta agree. To my estranged son, Henry, I leave my home at 1414 Silkwood Drive. What? Yeah, what? Dear Henry, I know such a gift cannot make up for the years I spent not knowing you, but perhaps it will make your life a little easier. This fucking place, Bonanza, huh? Kind of happened to be, like, in your life all of a sudden. And, you know, George kind of had a son. I didn't come around much. Firstly, I would like to apologize for my behavior at the lawyer's office. I have been in an emotional state. Somebody order a pizza with anchovies? These people just sort of barged in here. It's a goddamn free-for-all, isn't it? Arrows of Outrageous Fortune is a story about a man named George Arrow who bequeaths his only son, Henry, a mansion filled with insane women. Arrows of Outrageous Fortune follows Mickey Reese's critical hits, Mickey Reese's Alien, and Strike Dear Mistress and Cure His Heart. And the film reunites Reese with recurring cast members Alex Sanchez, Mary Buss, Kate Jones, Michaeline Stevenson, and Jacob Snovel, among many others. Alex, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, first time? Yes. Hello, thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure talking to you, man. You too. I feel like, I, I, I'm glad to actually have you on a podcast. I, I mean, I know you, you do your podcast. Yes. And we've been like... Orbiting. Orbiting each other for quite some time, mm-hmm. so it's good to actually sit down and, and talk. Yeah, this will be, for the record, our first real conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're probably right. Yeah. Actually, yeah, this is yeah. the longest we've ever had a, a real this conversation. Is, this right now is, so imagine how it'll be in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to know each other. Yeah. Intrinsically. We'll be brothers. Yeah, at the brothers. At the <laughs> so, of course, uh, Alex Sanchez is the star of Heirs of Outrageous Fortune, starring as Henry, but we're also joined, of course, by the writer-director, Mickey Reese. Welcome back, Mickey. Uh, good to be here. Always a pledge. Always a pledge. I look forward oh. to this interview every year. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like once a year, about once a year, I've had you on now, and every year it gets better. Yeah, yeah. I shortened so many words, I can't believe I've never done pledge. <laughs> pledge, that's a good one. <laughs> that's such a good one. I say sketch a lot. Sketch. Check my sketch. sketch. Yeah. <laughs> I do sketch a lot as well. So, mm-hmm. gents, uh, how's it? Okay. So, I know there's been a lot of uh, rumbling. You guys have been doing uh, kind of your press tour so far. Mm-hmm. I know you've been doing a lot of interviews, uh, mm-hmm. but we're here uh, recording about what? A week? Yeah. A week out, right? Yeah. Yeah. A week yeah. out from the premiere day. So, how are you feeling today? 
Um, fine. I'm feeling very nervous. Are you nervous? You know, a bunch of people I know are seeing it for the first time. That's and, true. you know, it's sort of my, uh, you know, I guess the, it's a lot of people's first time ever seeing my head that big. That's true. Um, your head is quite big. Cause it's I've big. Been, we've been doing a theater test at Harkins. I've mm-hmm. seen it a few times up there and it is very large. I even uh, said something to the manager about shrinking it. <laughs> he said, there's nothing he can do about it. So no, you got to do that. We've got a week. You could probably go in and shrink my I've head. Got, I'm already, stuff. I'm like editing another movie, man. Oh, I don't man, have time. Come on. I don't have time to mess with this. One. You quit this being one. so come prolific. Uh, you know how there's like the big head mode in the first person shooter games. I was just thinking I, about I, like, that. What if there's a VFX that's the small head mode, small head mode, like in Jack and Daxter. Yeah. Jack and Daxter. <laughs> I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. Get the back. Well, uh, the nice thing about you, Mickey is I never, there's always a good variety, such variety I get from you. Every time I'm, I'm seeing a movie that two things, it feels distinctly like you made it. Like I, I would never mistake any of the movies I've interviewed you for or any of your movies I've seen for someone else. One, two, they're all really different though. I, I think it's a, so this is, so maybe you could uh, tell our listeners a little bit about the movie. This is a little, it feels to me a little more like slice of life. So, okay. I guess it should be, uh, it should be said that this is not a follow up to strike your mistress. The follow up to strike your mistress is a movie called Climate of the Hunter that I'm currently editing right now. This is a follow-up to a movie called Broadcast, and then a movie before that called, like, Suedehead. They, this was, like, kind of this, like, mumblecore style. It's like a follow-up to those movies that no one has seen. So I've seen Broadcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, there you, got you one. go. I got one. You got one. I've also there seen Broadcast. Yeah. So it's more of, like, after, it's more of like the, the next movie in that, in that installment. You know what I mean? Kind of following that same line of thought where you have, again, kind of more conversational, I don't know, slice of life. Is that a good way to put it, slice of life? Like, you're looking at this sure. very... And they're set. They're set in reality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, whereas you know the other ones like uh, uh, Mickey Reese's Alien, Strike Your Mistress, and uh, Climber the Hunter are not. No, they're set in the uh, I believe Chronicles of Narnia yeah. universe. <laughs> Chronicles, yeah. Chronicles yeah. of Narnia universe. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that there was an eighth one coming somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, um, maybe. Just to get us started here, coming off of Strike, Your Mistress, Heirs of Outrageous Fortune, um, is a change of pace. Was there anything in particular? So you've mentioned a couple of your previous movies. This feels like a spiritual success. Well, I mean, really, it was uh, a matter of when we finished Strike, Your Mistress, we had a long wait to premiere it, and we were just bored. And so it was like, you know, we could... uh, wait until that movie premieres and then get funding for another movie. And then I guess maybe that's why people don't make movies all the time. <laughs> but I was like, but why, why would we do that? We don't have to do that. No one's saying that we have to, that we can't make a movie. Let's just go make a movie. Like we don't have any money, but you know, it's never stopped us before because it's fun. You know, we, we have fun we have fun and we create uh, scenarios that are fun. So it's not like grueling to shoot. So it was actually us just having fun and, I don't even remember that we filmed a movie. I don't even know where the no camera way. was. We were just like hanging out. Hanging out, just a bunch of friends. Yeah. Like Caddyshack. Exactly. And we didn't, uh, we shot it Dogma 95 style. Mm-hmm. We shot it that way. The movie is obviously clearly not because, you know, we have music and sound. And I mean, as far as like sound that doesn't belong in there. I mean, right. which is like. But we did yeah. it, but we shot it that A lot of Hanna-Barbera sound effects there you just go. slapped exactly. on it. <laughs> or we, we shot it like you know, with no lights or no props, no costumes, uh, no makeup, just a camera and people talking. 
and we kind of kind of wrote it as we went along too. Yeah, to more a degree. Or less. The the last scene was definitely that was written on the morning of. Mm-hmm. Like okay, okay, the last scene. Are you talking last scene specifically or last act? Last act. Okay. Last act. Yes. Okay, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna get to that as much as we can without spoiling it. So. Alex, uh, yes. you, you've collaborated with Mickey. This is what your third collaboration. Yes. And so what was your reaction? Did, how did the, how did this process work? Did Mickey say, Hey, I want to do a movie that you're starring in. I know it sounds like you guys just kind of got together and messed around and, and like came up with a story, but at what point did you become the lead in the process? Uh, I think Mickey, you just wanted to make a movie where I was in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just like, let's do it. Let's do an Alex movie. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> he, what it was. Let's make then, an Alex movie. Yeah. And then he wrote it and then we all made it. Excellent. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. That's how it worked. Mickey, this is how all of your movies work. Yeah. To a degree. I don't know. It's getting a little different now. We're getting some more, you know, uh, more hands on deck now. And they're not. It's like Climate of the Hunter was not as... I mean, it was a script, and we all went by the script right. and, uh, you know, had a big crew and stuff, and a lot of stuff goes with that where you have to be more organized, and right. this movie was no organization. No. Very seat of pants. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. So mm-hmm. you guys got together. You say, hey, we're going to make a movie. You know, I feel like, Alex, given your background, like, with comedian, I my mm-hmm. initial thought was, okay, this was like they improved everything. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the process you guys had collaborating together. Like, how did the script come about? Like, how much of this was improved, uh, and how much of this was scripted? It's not improv. It's not improv. I would say that Mickey wrote the whole thing, and then I punched up on set. Yeah, and everybody did. Right. That's yeah. what everybody, that was the, the deal. Yeah, there wasn't a, um, you know, there wasn't, I wasn't like going like, no, the line is. <laughs> yeah, it's an, yeah. not a. Uh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's, it's it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be improv because we rehearsed the scenes. Right. Yeah, so I don't know how you would even do, yeah. it. I don't even know how you would like film improv and like keep it organized because, you know, I wouldn't say the movie's like shot, like, uh, complicated or anything it's most certainly not but it's still there the shots are organized it cuts mm-hmm. together so yeah i don't know i don't even know how we would do that if it was just straight improv I mean, we do a lot of we just rehearse everything beforehand right even if we make something up there on the spot it's still rehearsed a million times and then right. that's not improv anymore right. that's just us like uh retro scripting right we wrote in rehearsal Oh, you wrote rehearsal. I mean, that's kind yeah. of, I mean, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you, so you had the script to work off of and it sounds like that made up like 95% and then you mm-hmm. kind of, you, like you said, you punched it up, but then you would go back and re-rehearse it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very cool. Uh, so we would, yeah, sort of, we would sort of say the gist of what was in the script and then take whatever felt natural out of that and use it for the next rehearsal <laughs> and sort of, right? Like, yeah. yeah. So what was it like to kind of step into that starring role? Was there any, like, extra, like, uh, was there any extra pressure? Did you feel like it was kind of the same shtick? Uh, um, this was, I would say, easier than doing Mickey Reese's Alien because I, I didn't have to do a voice. Um, and I could just sort of react to things. I, I didn't really, my character is, less of a protagonist and just sort of a guy that stuff happens to. Um, and that's how I feel in my own life. So <laughs> it was sort of pretty easy to portray that. Um, I mean, you can like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think his performance is super consistent throughout the entire movie, but working on it behind the scenes, like he became an actor, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a, towards like towards the end of it when we were, 
like essentially the stuff in the house and like kind of the stuff in the beginning Mm -hmm. they were like scenes that that were but the other the other stuff like uh stuff that was like separate locations like the lawyer's office and then his work Mm -hmm. and stuff like that those were like pickup days like yeah we'll meet here this morning for and shoot this thing for three or four hours um but like alex was like carrying actors he was like you know commanding the scene and he would give me something like new and fresh like every time or keep it the same just like kind of whatever whatever worked Mm -hmm. you know what i mean he just like really became like an amazing actor in that nice no, 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 you feel in the scene too, because I mean, I feel like the the passing of the father at the beginning of the film. That's a, I mean, I think that's a pretty, a relatively heavy scene. And I thought you you nailed it, like it was a home run. Wow, uh, and then, thank you. And then, of course, I, I think again, without getting too spoilish, I thought the ending. I mean, like it, it yeah. felt. It, it, I feel like I was watching you because I know you somewhat, yeah. but then I could tell, like a, a, to a certain degree, like. I could see the perform the shades of your performance coming through to kind of distinguish you from the character as well. Nice. So it didn't feel like you know you had just written Alex specifically. Like there was some nuance there. And and again, terrific job. Thank um, you. I think uh, performance leading the film. Um, but uh, did you were you uh, were you ever like worried whenever you uh, were like asked to lead? Or was this just kind of like a fun thing? See how it turns out. Oh, I was a, of course a wreck about it. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm not an actor really. But then of course I wanted to do it because I like that sort of thing. Um, but I was very neurotic in the beginning of it. I think. Wouldn't uh, you say? I didn't show. Yeah, I don't think. No. Okay. It might have been, you know, it might have been rougher the first day we shot compared to like that that day in the office. Yeah, where you were just like Marlon Brando, <laughs> but uh, you know, but it wasn't like I mean, you, you've always had it. You're just natural, and you're just super likable. And a lot of actors they can train forever, but if they they're not like likable, like affable to uh, to the audience, then they lose. You know, and that's yeah. where you win. It's just being cool. like really like cool and likable and natural, you know. Nice, thanks, guys. I'm being really sweet. <laughs> yeah, you guys are being real nice <laughs> to me. Right? Well, but I mean, like it, it really does show on the on the screen, though. He's a star. Too. Yeah, I mean, he's a yeah, star. So, but I do want to talk about you had to kind of lift a little more emotionally in the, the passing of the scene. Maybe yeah. could you talk a little bit about like what it was like filming that particular scene or what, going to work that day? Was there anything well, you were concerned about or any anywhere you were like channeling your inner actor? Well, sure. I, uh, I, I, I've watched a couple people die in my time. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it happens to everybody. My mom died in a hospital from cancer. Um, so I sort of knew what that was like. And uh, I, was, I was just coming off a fresh one as well. Um, but the passing of Ogletree mm. after he got yeah. his yeah, yeah. soul powerbombed out of his body. Rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. Um, so, you know, so that was sort of uh, easy place to access after he died. I didn't really, I didn't like weep or whatever, but I also didn't like flip him off. I just sort of went dead because mm-hmm. that's what ha- happens when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think again, it sh- definitely shows through with the, the performance, um, that you brought to the role. Uh, but also, like you play comedically, right? You're like sure. a laughable guy, and I think this movie is really funny too. That because I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a super dramatic film because I feel like right. it's a dramatic opening. But really, yeah, after this, this is just kind of like following you around, doing your thing. You get this inheritance, you don't know what to do with, and then all these people start showing up. So, Mickey, I want to bring it back to to kind of the story piece, though. Was there anywhere any in particular you got the idea, like, hey, what if this guy just inherited this fortune? Like, was it? Man, I don't know about that. 
uh, first of all, I want to uh, talk about that since we're we're on the subject of that specific scene. That was like uh, really interesting for me because I had Ben Hall, who's a super experienced like theater actor. And then we got Alex, you know what I mean? So like trying to work with those two together, it was like, I was like, I wonder how this is going to go. What, what is this going to be like? And they were just both like super professionals on it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the work was done like already. It was like, I don't know. It was really, it was a really, it's a really impressive scene. Like to watch, to, to watch two different schools, two different styles of acting like happening there. Um, was that like a, and it wasn't really challenging in any way. It was any like different approaches you took there. Did you feel like it was pretty easy? No, just rehearse and then shoot. That was the yeah. quickest scene that we did. It we was just like, pretty easy. Yeah. Got in, got in and got out. Like, quick. I don't know, guys, acting seems pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, and, uh, so as far as the story goes, well, let's see. I had the actors, already mm-hmm. because they're just my friends that are like around that want to be in a movie. Um, and so, and then, you know, Alex is like, Alex is the lead, like here are the rules, you know, it's all set up as far. And then we're, we're shooting with no lighting and uh, we're, this is our crew. These, and then these are our locations that we have. So it's kind of like, it's essentially the way you like go approach like a 48 hour film you know what gotcha. i mean they yeah, give yeah. you they give you all of these rules and all of these uh line or the line and the prop and all that stuff and then you just have to make something out of that that's exactly how this worked mm-hmm. you know what i mean like here's your money none <laughs> you know here's a house here's some actors here's a camera here's sound like why can't you i mean that's that's all you need so yeah. so we just went right right into like that. So it's like, well, we got to get him into the house. How do we get him into the house? Well, the dad leaves the house to him. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it's just like mm-hmm. kind of the script writes itself because it's not even. And that's why, that's also why it's kind of a hangout movie and like a, um, um, it's it's aimless. You know what I mean? Because we're yeah. just watching characters, right? Which I like anyway. I, that's what cinema is to me. You know what I mean? Because if you, you characters sitting in a room talking, exactly, and then because like uh, you put a plot in there, and then it becomes TV. Yeah, you know. Yep. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's really fascinating. So you kind of reverse engineer it. You start saying, "I know I'm going to have these characters in this house." You kind of identify what types of characters you want in there. You come up with a scenario, and then you kind of reverse engineer the rest of the script from that. Exactly. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I guess that's interesting because like. It, it, you need a plot because you're watching TV on a smaller screen, so you need something to keep your attention. But if you're watching good acting on a big screen, you're just looking at a face, and that's all you need. Yeah. And it's big enough for you to take in everything they're doing. Which leads me to my thesis for this podcast. I've decided just now there's only two kinds of movies that should be made. There's only two movies, My Dinner with Andre and Godzilla. Wait, wait, wait. Which Godzilla? There are several. The one that's about to come out. Godzilla, King of Monsters? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I mean, I th- it could have been Matthew Broderick's yeah. Godzilla for all I know. So what's the, what the, convey- what, what's the Godzilla movie where there's, it's just like a bunch of Japanese men in a, in a, like a conference room, like uh, there's arguing. Shin, there's Shin Godzilla, the most recent that's one. It. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That, okay. That one's pretty money, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets like really political. It's like half of it's just dudes <laughs> sitting in a conference yeah. room arguing about Godzilla. It's the two things you need a giant screen for. Yeah. It, conveying emotion. And making sure that a monster looks big enough. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, fair, that's fair enough. 
So you're saying, but no other, those are the only two movies. That's it. Everything else is TV. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's lots of aimless movies that you have not seen. That's I've seen so don't few watch good, movies. good movies. No, that's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I've seen like the last Mimsy four times. <laughs> uh, it was mimsical, mimsical. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you if, if there are no other takeaways, you just tell the list, the list, you're telling the listeners right now, you either see My Dinner with Andre or Godzilla. Okay, yeah, all movies fall under those two categories. What Everything John, else is TV. What about John Wick, though? I mean, it's real good TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, I can, I can get behind that. I mean, really, between with with things like Game of Thrones, uh, basically like Lord of the Rings right now. I mean, there's really yeah. no difference, right? You know, yeah, long plot driven stuff. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. I want to bring it back here and talk a little bit about. I don't want to spoil it for people. Just know that this movie has a very Mickey Reese type of ending. And when I say and when I say that, I mean I feel like your movies consistently throw me for a loop. Uh, even stuff like broadcast, like I, I feel like thrown for the loop, particularly like in your last act, your movies. And it's not like a M Night Shyamalan thing or anything crazy like that. But I just feel that like, would have been hilarious. Yes. Oh my we god! Should, we should. <laughs> Can we do a Shyamalan movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they're not like Shyamalan, but like I'm always like consistently caught off my guard, specifically because like style decisions or certain. I don't know, like almost genre bending decisions. You're like, well, you're watching this movie, but actually it's something different or it's mm. something more in addition to. So I just, I, I have to ask what really attracts you to this, this kind of decision to maybe heighten the experience or throw kind of a, uh, throw kind of a curveball at the audience. How lame would it have been if it would have just ended the way it was supposed to, you know what I mean? It would have just been a movie, like just a regular old, like, Oh, we've seen this movie before. And now, you haven't. It's true. I haven't <laughs> seen. This is the first time I had seen this movie. But why would yeah. I? Why would you even? I don't. I don't even understand like the point in actually going going through all the effort to make a movie if you're not going to make something that no one has ever seen before. Yeah, Alex, what did you? What do you? Okay, so you guys made made the comment earlier that this development for the last act of the movie kind of came. I mean, I know we did improv, but it kind of came towards the end of production, right? Yeah. So did you guys film this without knowing how it was going to end, largely? I don't remember. God, yeah. We certainly didn't have it written. Right. And that was the scene we used lights on. (laughs) I think that makes sense. That actually, I can, and that that sticks out. Uh, It kind of ties into, well, again, I don't want to spoil it. But yes, I think that it's very fitting that it felt a little more... Um, it felt different than yes. the rest of the mm-hmm. film. It right. looked, it felt different and mm-hmm. kind of dreamy in a certain way mm-hmm. uh, compared to the mm-hmm. very kind of very real kind of realism we saw in the first two thirds of the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was the goal. Mm. Anyway, it was really bright that day, like outside. Yeah. So it was hard to actually like, you know, light it cinematically. But, um, and you know, plus we didn't have, we didn't have any money. We didn't have like a, you know, a crew to do that or anything, but we did the best we could to set it apart from the rest of the movie. Very cool. So, uh, throw you a curveball here. So, I know you uh, worked with uh, Steve Mathis, right? Was he? He was one of the credited. He was the gaffer on this for that scene, specifically for that scene. That's okay. It, yeah. mm. Well, he was named the Oklahoma Icon this year. One of the Oklahoma Icons this year, I believe. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, I, I've heard nothing but wonderful things. Great guy. Have you worked to get together with him before? Nope. We uh, uh I mean, we just met and like talked. Actually, we met at Goro. Um, and it's a good that's the beginning of all great meetings right, right. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly we met at Goro we did and that. talked about it and yeah. said hey you want to come play with us 
<laughs> Basically, he liked uh, he liked Mickey Reese's Alien a lot. So you know, it was just like, hey, you know, you're Steve Mathis. You want to come play with us for the day? And he was like, sure. So that's like how that worked. Yeah, very cool. I feel like the movie. Well, I mean, it does have some. I, I feel like the movie's just a straight comedy, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I told you. Yeah. Like, if you're, if we're going to make, you know, an Alex vehicle, it just needs to be a straight comedy. Right. And a straight comedy to me is like an Alexander Payne movie or something. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, that is. They I are mean, straight. They are comedies. They're yeah. straight up they comedies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be worth my time to do, you know, Step Brothers with Alex Sanchez oh and God. Mason Giles. You know, it just wouldn't. Why would I? Why am I there for? That's you. Just you don't, you don't need a director for that. You need a, a traffic cop. <laughs> um, but uh, so it was like you know we want to, but I want to capitalize on uh, on Alex's sensibilities, obviously, and like make something that works for him, but also isn't just you know straight stupid. And we're just like fucking you know, around, yeah, or, or yeah, or just you know something that still the audience is going to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with this movie, I think uh, everyone will. I think I mean I think it's just like anything. I think there's going to be people that absolutely hate it, and we'll walk out of there just like, "What in the hell did mm-hmm. we sit through that for?" I actually want to be a fly on the wall for that. Yeah, I just want to go stand in the theater. I mean, actually, no, I want to see it on the big screen. But yeah. you know, I want to be there in that moment. You know, yeah, I feel like <laughs> you know I what I mean. I, honestly, if if you're listening to this and you go see the movie, and that is your opinion. I would like to hear about it. Please send me a long email about it. <laughs> we should have a follow-up podcast with all the haters. Yeah. Oh, my God. All, all the hate. A hate mail. A hate, hate mail segment. I would love that. Well, actually, you know what? This brings up a great question, too. I just want to throw it. You get, you get this premiered, had its world premiere at the Chattanooga Film Festival? Yes. Yeah, and that was great. It was a lot of fun. What, what was that kind of, what was that experience like with the audience? It was great, and uh, they laughed, like, hysterically. Yeah. And... I, yeah, no one. It was very nice. Yeah, no one, no one got pissed off or anything. No, there's a few reviews from that festival on uh, Letterboxd, and there's wait. and there's some good ones, and then there's some people that are just like, it was pretty decent. Like I think it was something like it was a pretty decent setup, but it, it but it devolved into all these weird like, yeah, <laughs> um, stories like these all like story arcs and stuff that I didn't care for. I think in like two yeah. stars or something like that. But then there are people that, you know, really liked it too. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of divided. I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to walk out of there and be like, it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause they're going to have, you know, strong opinions. Shit, gonna, yeah. You're, it's, it's something that you can have a strong opinion about. I feel like. No, no, I, absolutely. And I think that's, um, in my mind, that's the, the film you remember, right? I think that goes back to what you're saying. So showing the audience is something they haven't ever seen before, whether or not they liked it, that's up to them to decide this one in particular though, because it was, uh, it felt more like a comedy. It definitely, it, it kind of caught me a little more off guard. And you mentioned Alexander Payne before. Could you maybe was that was there any other influences in particular? Or any comedy directors that you like to draw from? I mean, by default, it had to be kind of like a mumblecore movie. Okay. Because of so, I mean, obviously, all of the the mumblecore movement in general, and uh, not you, maybe uh, maybe for our listeners who might not be as familiar, maybe elaborate on mumblecore. Uh, the Duplass brothers, um, like well, Alexander Ross Perry, but I'm not even that familiar with Alexander Ross Perry's work necessarily, but that's a lot of people have like compared this to, to his stuff, but it's, it's essentially just like Dogma 95. Um, and those are like kind of the rules to it. And Mumblecore is basically the same way, but it's done that way because they don't have any money and they end up, 
uh, creating more of like a, a cinema verite um, like aesthetic where you are the camera man is present there too, like a, to make mm-hmm. it you know, for like realism and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, yeah, so that's what this. That's how this. That's how we approached this. Just and it, it was because we didn't. This style was chosen because we didn't have any money to work with, but we still wanted to make a movie. So yeah, yeah. this is like the best way to. Uh, your for your production value to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to, uh, I mean, maybe not Mumblecore, but a lot of like uh, early films from well-known directors, you know, uh, Reservoir Dogs, for example, one location set up. I mean, this is definitely a much different movie than Reservoir Dogs. Sure, but, sure. But the idea of like, hey, Basically what Basically the we, same. Hey, this is our clever way of like, you know, have, not having any money. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think it works. And I think it allows you to tell stories that you wouldn't tell if you did have... Uh, exactly. Budget, and yeah. with that being said, also, you know, you don't have like... It's not like no one's no one's around to like tell us what we can and can't do for the movie because we're just doing it for fun so why wouldn't we want to experiment yeah with uh with the film in general um by creating those like weird like segues that happen in the movie and like uh and the um and the ending and stuff and like to do something that no one's ever seen before because otherwise we're just making a movie that's that everyone has seen before, but done much better because they had more money and more time. Right. So, 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 you, so you're making your, you're telling the story you want to tell, not a cheap imitation of someone else's. Uh, exactly. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's very admirable. And, uh, I, again, I think it leads to more interesting stories. Uh, at least everything I've seen from you is, uh, always a lot of fun and keeps me on my toes. So, uh, well, we're going to start to wind down the conversation here, but, uh, Alex, I gotta, I gotta talk to you a little bit here. So, this is your third film. You're the star of this film. Uh, it sounds like uh, you, you got a real. I mean, you had a real knack for it on the screen. It sounds like you're uh, having a taking to it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. So I like to do it. What's next? Nothing so far, um, but you know, I'll keep I'll keep my ear to the ground. Hopefully, somebody will, you know, somebody's making a movie around town or something will see mm-hmm. this and be like, let's yeah, let's, 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 let's cast that's Alex that's because that's I want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. I want to see a movie I have nothing to do with where I just get to go like eat popcorn and watch Alex. Mm. I'd, I'd watch that. I'd watch that. Separate from the stand-up comedy, of course. Sure. Yeah. Different. Uh, so um, as we wind down, uh, Mickey, uh, you've already talked about uh, your next film, and I know we're not going to talk about that too much today, but you've got other projects kind of uh, in the fire, so to speak. Can you give us a status update on that? I really want to. Well, I'm. yeah, I have a, a movie coming out probably later this year called climate of the hunter. I'm not sure if it's coming out later this year or early next year. It's kind of one of those same deals of, of us waiting around for, you know, for a premiere date like strike. And so maybe we'll make uh, some other little arrows of outrageous fortune follow up while we're waiting for that movie to do its thing. Um, But I really want to make a Tupac and Biggie movie. All right. All right. Listeners contact us, hit us up. I want to see that movie. I do too, but I'm still developing it. So is this going to be another kind of like low kind of micro budget, non-budget film or do you want to, you want to go all out with this one? Um, it'll probably be somewhere in between. We had a, I mean, we had a pretty good budget for climbing to the hunter. So I think, so I feel like if we, so I feel like a follow up to that will be like a bigger budget movie. And I probably am not going to be able to talk people into, uh, 
<laughs> funding a Tupac and Biggie movie. I mean, Tupac Maybe. Biggie movie be fun, though. Well, I know. It's true, but we'll see. We'll see. But not the way I'm going to do it. It's not going to be fun. All right. All right. I mean, it will be fun, but I mean, it's not, not going not to be worth anybody's money or right. time. Not in the, 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 the marketable way that you, a lot of people might think Exactly. Of All right. Yeah. All right. I, I dig that. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's your pitch. Check it out. Uh, so... Can you remind listeners here, maybe uh, when can they, if they're going to be at Dead Center this weekend, when can they catch the movie? Uh, so opening night, Thursday at 5.30, uh, we're the opening night film at Harkins. Um, and then Saturday at 7.15 at Harkins as well. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, absolutely check out Arrows of Outrageous Fortune. It's a ton of fun. It's going to keep you on your toes. And trust me, uh, Alex Sanchez in a starring uh, role is a delight. You aren't going to want to miss it. Uh, gentlemen, uh, I know Alex, especially you guys are both pretty social. Uh, you're pretty active on social media. Where can people keep up with you online? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Sirius Sanchez. Follow me on Instagram if you'd like, but you're not going to get anything good over there. No good content? Eh. <laughs> uh mickey anywhere anywhere people can keep I up think with you i i i i tend to uh gravitate more towards instagram myself makes sense just straight uh mickey reese just like one word Ooh, wait hold on real quick we might as well since we're already recording this i want to uh i want to talk to you about a john wayne gacy movie oh my okay. god okay right. but you know like uh john wayne gacy um was a clown of course and then yeah. he had clown buddies and they were called like the jolly jokers club the jolly okay. jokers yeah. club all right, right. so the movie is called like serious business and it's just about all these uh clowns like wondering like tr- you know working within the community but they're all hanging out at john wayne gacy's house like <laughs> you know like we we gotta like <laughs> what's on the agenda today like having these clown meetings <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're like vigilante like batman but clowns yeah yeah well no because they, they like work within the community you know just like you know just, that was just a thing yeah. like they're just children's entertainers and there was like a group of them the jolly jokers club and of course there's there'd be dead uh children yeah uh underneath the house so they're always oh just like i'm tired of doing this meeting over here at your house john it always stinks well i've called my landlord but uh and I, john Wayne Gacy had a wife too it's like such a weird situation that could be turned into just a really funny comedy hey alex yeah all right let's do it you want to do it yeah i'm in i'm in yeah well you played john wayne gacy yeah that makes i kind of thought that's where this was going i was like a john wayne gacy movie hey that guy shaped oh no (laughs) you played john wayne gacy (laughs) yeah and uh well you'd have to kill some kids but i mean other than that it's uh, i could do it mostly it's just clowns talking in a room about okay. about yeah, clown yeah. shit gentlemen it's been a great time yeah listeners please please do find go, go check out those instagram social media channels to find out if that did actually happen until next time catch this movie thursday night and saturday night at dead center we'll catch you next time